Welcome back, everyone. We're here for our weekly recap for the Celtics. Um, dope week, three three big wins, um, a lot to go through. And we have a special guest coming on today. Uh, we'll introduce him a little later, but stay tuned for that. Um, so without further ado, starting with the Pistons game on Monday. Um, no Jalen Brown, no Marcus Smart. Um, who else? I feel like there were more, more people missing. Um, was there no Horford, Matt? Do you know? Horford played. Horford, Horford played. played. Rob played. Everyone, everyone else oh, okay. played that game. The next game of, is where I'm you get the next into... one. Yeah. So, pretty, pretty solid win against a 14 and 41 Detroit Pistons team. So, obviously, <laughs> can't expect too much. Great win, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can't expect too much out of out of the opponent there. Um, but I think it's. It's a good starting point because it kind of it's going to start the trend for the episode. Obviously, Tatum did his thing, 34, 11, and 6. Absolutely filled it up. Um, but then Derek White with a nice Yeah, what a Derek White week. Yeah, 23, 7, and 7 against the Pistons. 8 of 17 shooting, 2 for 4 from 3. Played 37 minutes. See, all right, so I guess the first the first thing from, from this game, why is Tatum playing 39 minutes? Why is he playing so much against a Pistons team? Dude. Like, why are we putting him in the position where he needs to play like this? I know Jalen didn't play, okay? But he's 39 minutes against 14-41, like, worst team in the league. Because we let them hang around bad. too much, man. But exactly. I, I do agree. That number's too high. Got to get that down a bit. Or if, if it's staying around there, he's got to sit some games. Yeah, exactly. And I know Steve and Brad was talking about it, uh, like, two days ago on Friday. Saying how like he fights them on it, yeah. But I, I just feel it's like if you really wanted him to sit, like it doesn't matter how much he fights. Like it's it's the coaching staff's decision. You can make him day. sit. Like, well, he, he all sit. but said he's going to sit the game right before the the uh, All Star break, so he'll play today against Memphis, and then he'll play Milwaukee. against Milwaukee, and then sit the. Is it the Pistons or is it Indiana? It's one. It's not a good team either way. It's um, one of the yeah. It's a game where he can afford to sit. Yeah. But I would have had him sit the Hornets game, dude. Like, you have the Memf- you have the Grizzlies and the hey, Bucks that, on the Hey, you're just dog. mad. You're just mad because you <sighs> predicted a win for or a loss for that game because everyone would sit. I mean, it would have made sense for him to sit. He was sick also the day before. Everyone thought he might sit. Like, people were confused why he wasn't sitting. It's so different. I had the prediction on lock. It's just Tatum trying to mess up my record. Yeah, um, yeah for you, Gev texted me right when the when the injury report came out. He's like, "Oh, send some eye emojis." Like yeah. Tatum, questionable. Every every starter was either questionable or out, basically, beside Derek White. So, right, just just had to yeah, send yeah, Gev yeah. back down. All right, we got really, let's really back into the Pistons game. Yeah, something I wanted to point out: Tatum started out awful that game, shooting wise. Um, I'm gonna pull up his numbers. So he started. He was one for seven in the first quarter. Um, and he leading into that game, he was three for 15 from the game before, um, another alert, like kind of like a trend I've seen from Celtics games in the past, like first, like five minutes of the game, we shoot lights out. We started the game, like we were up 16 to six and then we ended the first quarter, like only up one. So again, it's just like, we start out really quick and then we kind of die down a little bit. Once the other team starts to respond, I feel like we are not as forceful. So I feel mm. like yeah. we, we something to work on. Um, Sam Hauser. Come, yeah, that's the that's return of Sam Hauser. Another theme for the week. We're going to see across all three games. But 
started three for three from three, which was great to see. Um, and then I'm going to now Tatum again. He was three for 13 and a half. And then we're, I, I told you how he ended with 30, 34, 11 and six, which, which was pretty awesome. What was his um, uh, final field goal line? Yeah, he said three for 13 first half. How'd he end? Yeah, he started. He ended really well. He was eleven for twenty four, so a much better um, in the second half. A oh, big eight for eleven. Uh, yeah, exactly. So he he turned it on, um, and then he kind of carried that through the week. We'll see that as well. Um, so yeah, Matt, what what do you think? How did you feel about the Pistons game? Yeah, Pistons game was was. Uh, I mean, did what did what we had to do. Uh, it was nice to yeah. see Tatum bounce back because he had a bit. Well, I guess this is. He had a bit of a clunker offensively against the 76ers. Um, so the uh it's it's good he good he had a good one against Detroit. Um I thought yeah. Rob was amazing. Rob, I, I remember he him and uh in Duran were were fun to watch go at it. Those 15 guys are and 15. Athletic as hell. Rob, that's what Rob finished with. Yeah. Good. Yeah, he's pretty he's, sick. He probably I feel like he didn't even play a ton. How much you have the box score up? How many minutes? He 29 played? minutes. 29 okay. Yeah, not not too bad. But yeah, and then the other you touched on these, but the other two storylines, Hauser just yeah. he, his threes back. He had at least four threes in every game this week, and then Derek White is playing at an all star level. Not even yeah. exaggerating, like he he is. he is playing at an all star level. Yeah, so fun to watch. So, yeah, very fun to watch. Um, so yeah, let's let's move on to the Sixers game. Yeah, Pistons um, game is kind of so. Man. This was a dope game. I mean, coming into it, no smart, no um no Horford, uh no yeah, no Rob. And then first half, fucking Tame and Brand go for a rebound together and <laughs> Brown catches Tame's elbow right to the face, break breaks his like fractures his face. Like pretty scary. Um but we only got 18 minutes out of Jalen Brown, yet we ended up beating the lowly Sixers. Couldn't even break it. They couldn't even break 100 points when we're down three and a half starters. We won 106 to 99. I mean, this is the play everything, game. Everything I was saying about the Sixers on the recap last week just continues to be proven true. I mean, yeah, man. They, we have their number every time. They, I just feel like. Mentally, we own them. Like, building duplexes and Embiid's head. Like, that's what's happening right now. Dude, um, Embiid's weird. Embiid's weird. His, like, right? body language is not great. Always. He, he should have been able to cook yeah. Blake Griffin and Grant Williams. He is, what, five Luke and four inches on, yeah. on Grant Williams? Yeah, Luke Cornett. How can he not just body the... Exactly. Heck, at, like... I, there was a he tweet... Was, he was good, but... There's a tweet saying when Embiid starts settling for jump shots, that's when you know exactly. the Celtics have them right where they want to be. Um, and that's they couldn't even beat us when Tatum had 12 points. Shot 5 yeah. for 15. He was, I mean, he still filled up. He had eight rebounds, nine assists, which was excellent. Again, showing how Tatum can really still make an impact on the game even when he's not scoring. But, I mean, I'm I'm just shocked that we were able to win this one. It was a pretty yeah, huge win. Also, for the standings, I think we're up 2-0 now on the Sixers, so... Next two are in Philly, but worst like worst case, it, we split it, which I don't think will happen, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, this so am the, I uh, saying the Blake Griffin game? Yeah, yeah, Blake just turning into Ray Allen. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> no, he was he was great. He he just plays hard. He hit his threes. Um, 
the, like if he hits threes, he actually he he becomes super super useful because Philly just was not guarding him, and he took a little dig at uh you probably saw this at, at Doc, Doc after for not making adjustments some some yeah. beef between the the former Clippers. Um, I love that. I know because yeah, I think Doc. Yeah, I'm a, big, Doc. I'm a big Doc hater. Just for reference, guys, I called Doc yeah. getting fired from the Clippers. Matt, back in the like, day, no way. was no way. And then a few weeks later, you saw what happened. But, yeah, I think Doc's probably – I'm going to say, yeah, I would say most overrated coach in the league by far. I think his 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 name carries way more weight than his actual coaching skill, and I don't think he's a good coach at all. Um, and that's coming from a Celtics fan, which, you know, he won us a championship. He helped win us a championship. But again, I think he's he's very overrated. Um, again, Brogdon doing his thing off the bench, thirty five minutes, um, and he he performed really. I think he's got to be. He's now the favorite, also the betting favorite for six men of the year. And he 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 had his it. the worst game I've seen him play though against the Hornets. Against the Hornets. We'll get there. Yeah. What he, yeah, we'll, t- we'll talk that in a second. I feel like he didn't really do – yeah, he didn't really do much that game. He's missing layups, getting blocked like crazy, turning it over. Yeah. Like when he – well, yeah. He was we'll, forcing we'll, we'll it a little – I remember now he was forcing it a little bit, like dribbling up, like a, very deep to the shot clock, taking like a forced layup without passing the ball first, like stuff yeah. like that. Um, the uh, Philly game, just to, just to chime in real quick, was the only game this season where Tatum or, or Brown didn't lead the team in scoring. Mm-hmm. So that's great to – Great to that's see that we could see, yeah. we could win when that happens. Um, another thing is we shot 19 for 35 from three, 54%, <laughs> which is nuts. Grant had a day, four for six. Blake, like we said, five for eight. Derek White was three for six. Oh, my God. And Tatum and Brown were one for nine. Yeah, so the yeah, rest Tatum of the team. Tatum was one for nine. Exactly. 18 for 26, you have. Yeah. Holy smokes. Hauser was four for four. Brogdon, two for two. It's nuts. Wow. It's nuts. So yeah, that's, that's that's insane. Pretty awesome game overall. Probably one of our best wins this season, I would say. Yeah, my um, my my dad texted me right when it ended. He said best game of the season. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Straight White from. had some great chase down blocks. I don't know if you you oh, were at yeah. the game, right? Defensive stuff. No, I wasn't. I wasn't at the game. Oh. But def- he's been he's gonna be all NBA defense at least first or like he's got to be first or second. I feel like he's probably like one of the best defensive guards in the league. If not the best, he's second in the league for blocks by guard. I think he's behind Shea. Shea's number one. Derek White's number two. <clears throat> he's just building a portfolio of just in- incredibly <laughs> impressive defensive plays. His energy on defense, like he's been great offensively, like we saw that this week. But just what he brings on defense is, I feel like it's contagious too. When he gets going, like the whole team buys in, and it's it's just really fun to watch. Um, yeah. Anything yeah. to add on the Sixers game? He's great. No, best best win of the season. Um, we we like this kind of just proves why I'm not scared of them in the playoffs. I know you we kind of trashed them last right. episode, but uh, they were at full strength. Celtics made us sound smart, so yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Friday, another big win, but there was absolutely no reason for Tim to be playing in in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Thirty seven minutes, we were up like twenty six at one point. And yet this guy somehow still got the 37 minutes. Not you want to know why? It was because well, right when Derek White came out, end of the third, early fourth, Brogdon comes in. Okay. Lead goes from 28 to 12. Like, boom. 
yeah, just like yeah. that. So kind of had to bring Tatum in, but I agree. It shouldn't get to that point where like Tatum should not have played the fourth quarter. I, yeah. I 100% agree. And wait, so when did you say that? What was the, what was the timestamp on when that happened? It was, it was late third, early fourth. It was, okay. it was when we went up huge in the uh, yeah. early in the third quarter. And okay. Then okay. It, so my it. point about that is, yeah, definitely like you kind of had to bring Tatum in, but I feel like, like the whole game before that, you were still blowing them out. So I feel like his minute count to that point should have already been lower. Like you, he shouldn't have played as much as he was given that we were already blowing them out, which would have made playing in the fourth. Okay. Um, so I don't know. It's just like a criticism I have about Joe. Um, but again, like, like I, I, I spoke about earlier, it seems that it's not entirely on the, on, on Joe. It's like Tatum's also on unwillingness to sit or to rest. So it's tough. Yeah. Derek White though. Oh yeah, I'll go to Derek Wayne. Can I can I uh follow up with, with what you just said? So you said that's a criticism about about Missoula. So no, I feel like kind last of year, kind of not really. The, okay, okay, a half one. Last yeah. year, the whole end of the year, yeah. I feel like the whole second half, Tatum was playing an absurd amount of minutes as well down the no stretch by Udoko. Okay, you think he had less of a choice because of where we were in the standings? Yeah, we were like at okay, that's fair. On like that's January sixth or something, and it's like if we and we had to like make a run. So we had to like win every single game. So, okay, I'll give you but, that. That's but it, but the reason I'm so upset does connect to last year because we saw how run down Tatum was in the finals, and how he was a oh very close to like a complete no factor, just played absolutely terrible. Um, and I I think it's a lot like largely because he just had played so many minutes and he was just physically exhausted so i'm just very worried that will happen again this year and i want to win the championship so we can't have that happen you want to hear me joe yeah joe (laughs) listen to me make this man sit please um he will he will he better you give you you've been pushing like like that you really want this one seed and we got the bucks one game back so how do you balance that uh like well, it's hard to say now because Jalen and Smart are rounds hurt. out. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. when Jalen and Smart are healthy, like it's a lot easier to sit him. Mm-hmm. And like obviously, Tatum is going to play the big games. Like he's going to play against Memphis today. He's going to play against Milwaukee. I'm not saying rest him during those games, but I'm saying like the 14 and 41 Pistons. Like you sit him in that game. The sharp the the Hornets, again bottom of the league. You sit him like, like those are games he can easily miss. And I feel like our we always talk so much about our depth and how like deep our roster is and our bench is so good. Like, all right, if you truly believe that, then there should really be no problem sitting him against these bad teams. Like we can, we can handle it. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens um, with that. Um, But yeah, Derek white watching this game was so fun. 33 points, 10 assists, um, eight for 14 from three. This man, I think started six for six. It was pretty awesome. He had like a double clutch. Oh, he started seven for seven, you think? He had like a double clutch three, just absolutely tearing it up. He looked like Jalen Brown out there, kind of. Plus 20. He was kind of chucking his release was like it was like boom, boom, boom. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. He's <laughs> he had three blocks also, one steal. So like we like we were t- talking about in the in the previous two games, just an absolute defensive weapon. 
And then if you have a defensive weapon who can shoot 30, score 33 points, I mean, <laughs> just overall great player. Um, Matt, what, what stands out to you? Um, let's, let's hit on Muscala. So Muscala's mm, first game, yeah. he, so if, if I'm not wrong, I think Blake came off the bench first and then Muscala was the second big off the bench before yeah. Luke Cornette. I thought that was interesting. Um, but, but yeah, great shooter. I mean, he, yeah, he, he also played the most minutes a, out of the three. Oh, interesting to note too. Yeah. He had four threes. Um, yeah, he's. He'll he'll bring a good good new dimension for us off the bench. You can always have more shooting. So good get by Brad for super cheap. Um yep. ho- hopefully he he keeps it up. I know. What I'm I'm excited. He seemed like no practice, none nothing, and he, he just fit in so well. I thought it was it was really encouraging to see. Yeah, he wore those nice bright, bright yellow shoes too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just coming in being able to come off okay. the bench, first game with a new team, and just go four for it, four for eight from three. I feel like that's, I mean, I hope that's a sign of what's to come because that's that's going to be pretty legit. I mean, also, like, that's like, I feel like he's he could be playable in the playoffs too if, if it's just purely to put him in and stretch the floor a little bit, hit some open threes if, if need be. So Yeah, I'm not sure. It depends. I mean, he's definitely playable in the playoffs, at least yeah. definitely more so than, than Cornette and probably Blake, unless Blake, just keep shooting lights out somehow. Yeah. Um, but it, it'll be interesting because if Rob and Horford are both totally healthy, and then we also have Grant to kind of rotate in, mm. like, do we think there will be a need for him to play? We'd probably have to go to like a nine or ten man rotation for him to get looks. Or do you think it'll be yeah. more of like if if we need some shooting, if we need some something like different from off the bench, then we put him in. Yeah, I feel like it's like one of those things where where it's like Oh, like the other team went on a big run and we need to like change something up. Like you throw them in, hit some threes, get us going. Or if this is kind of inevitable, if Rob misses like some time in the playoffs, then he'll be like really useful to get it, like, yeah, to get more minutes for, yeah. Um, so yeah, just I feel like there's a couple very good use cases for him in the playoffs that I'm that's why I'm just I'm glad Brad went out and got him. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. So, dude. Gordon Hayward is total. I feel bad for him. He's he should have stayed in Utah. I feel like and just been like a good. Like, do you think is he is he is he done? He's like known as a horrible contract now. He's did you overpaid injured? Yeah. Did you hear his comments after the game? I I wish I remembered the article so I could shout out the guy who wrote it. Um, but it was cool. He it was pretty much. One of the questions I forget the reporter. I'm really sorry for not getting this, but the reporter like asked, it "Should be." <laughs> the reporter asked, "Like, do you have any regrets about like what happened in Boston?" That was the general question, and he didn't really straight up say no. But he's like, "I'm just." He was like saying, "Like, like sometimes I do look back, or like maybe when my career's over, like I'll be able to look back at it more clearly and like think about things differently." But he's like saying how he just wants to be here now and like help like in Charlotte and like help the young guys learn and stuff. And he like alluded to similar to how he did with like Jalen and Jason. He wants to be sort of like the same personality and same role to to the young guys on Charlotte as he was for like Jalen and Jason, which I thought was kind of interesting to hear because I never really thought of him as sort of like someone that they would look up to. I feel like it's also easy to say that because he 
he was just hurt so much. So maybe mentally I thought he wasn't around, but he was yeah. still probably around them in like the locker room stuff. But I don't know. I definitely feel bad for him because I just feel I just feel it's just like another star that like came to us and kind of just went off the rails a little bit. He was a but, good you know. player. He actually was a great fit. I get when that he probably him. had to go for Tatum and Brown to totally uh, reach new heights, but like obviously when we signed him. But I, I'm even talking more so like in the bubble year when we played the Heat. I thought he's a he's so unselfish, and yeah. I thought he was he's a great shooter. I thought he was such a good fit next to Tatum and Brown in that sense. But on uh, paper, he's like a fantastic fit. Like all the skills, like he checks all the boxes of what you just want. Didn't work next yeah. to Tatum and Brown, and it's just like didn't work. Um, it's too bad. And then Terry, what about Terry? How's how do you, how do you Terry's feel Terry's been doing? A baller. Like I feel like he ever since he got to Charlotte, he just puts up big numbers. Like he's, he's cool. Le- he's legit. He's fun to watch. Very good dribble. Very fun to watch. Um, he's a good player by far. I mean, Danny Ainge knows how to draft. He got him. He he. We even saw hints of it here, um, behind Kyrie, and then we had to obviously trade him for I this kind of like something I was like with everything that happened with Kemba and his injuries I feel like it would have been cool if we never did that and we just kept Terry and we had him with like Jason and Jalen like I feel like that could have been really fun to watch too. so I think Terry that that's an interesting thing thought to think about I think he cannot be a starting point guard on a championship team though oh yeah uh, he could maybe be doing a two a like Nexus like smart Terry, Jason, Jalen, Jason, and then Horford or Rob. I think best role it would be if if he would if we would if he would have bought in as a six man. I think that would have been great. Like uh, his scoring, his bounce, his energy, amazing. But like he's not a pass first player. Like very clearly not three assists. He's he's six. Like he's really short. He's got to be six one, six two. He he's an okay defender, but like. I don't know. I don't. I don't think we. I don't think he could be our starting point guard. So I. I love yeah. it with with Smart. I think Derek White's a better player than him. But then Terry. But yeah, it's it's a good what if. Yeah, Derek White's better than Terry. Oh, okay. if we're taking everything into account. I don't know if if others agree with me or not. But Derek, do you White think it, is 100% like, better than Terry? Do you think like? Do you mean in terms of fit on our team, or do you mean just as a straight up player like in the NBA? Both Terry. Terry's definitely oh. more flashy. Um. Okay. And he, 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 I guess I like more highlight plays. Pe- people will probably bigger name. Tend to, uh, yeah, definitely gravitate toward him as a better player, but I, I would rather have Derek white. I think Derek white is better. I think he impacts winning more. Um, so yeah, give me, give me D white. Oh, wow. D white. Who do you think is better? D white or take... Brogdon? Who's better? Oh, you're asking at like a tough time just because of, it's like because White's been so good. <laughs> White's been insane in the past three weeks, but like Brogdon's been incredible all season. He's hopefully he's gonna win six man of the year. So I don't know. It's I think going into the season, I would have said Brogdon easily. Now I think it's a lot more of a difficult question to answer. So I feel like that gives some insight into how good Derek White's been kind of closing the gap there between them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And hey, this has been a huge stretch. Just going back to the to this week, Sam Hauser. Um, yeah. He, it seems it. like he's found a shot back after a huge God. month, three month long slump. So yeah. Hopefully he keeps it up. That's, that's all. I'm that's big. Is he playable in the playoffs? If he's hitting threes. Yeah. But we saw last, Oh, he didn't play. Never mind. He didn't play last year, but we saw like what happened with Pritchard. 
in the play in the in the finals last year. Even yeah, Grant, it's similar. Grant wasn't hitting in the playoffs either. Um, Derek, other than the first game, like Derek White wasn't really hitting either. So it's just like it's a huge moment. So I'm a little worried when it comes to bench guys being able to come in and produce the same level that they did in the regular season. Yeah. Um, but as long as he keeps hitting threes, I think he'll keep getting minutes leading up to the playoffs. And then I'm sure he'll get his his shot in the playoffs and then we'll see if he can live up to it. Do anything off of it. Yeah. I'm with, I'm with that. Yeah. Sweet. Anything else from the, uh, the Hornets game worth, worth talking about? No, I think just overall a great win. So Matt went three and zero this week on picks. Let's go. Um, I went two and one because I thought I thought we would rest some guys against the Hornets, but it's fine. Um, and we'll do our we'll do our predictions for this coming week a little later. But but yeah. Um, so Matt, you want to introduce our our guest? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we are super hyped to bring on my former Chickamy counselor, um, the former Newton North grad, Cam Taba. Taba <laughs> There we go. Now you, so, you said it perfectly. I know. I know. Had, had to had to double double take there, but yeah. So it, we're super excited to bring him on. All right. Uh, we have Cam Taba here with us today um, to talk some Celtics questions. Um, we are very excited to have him on. He's a writer for Celtics Wire and also host of the Celtics Lab podcast. Cam, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, thrilled to be here. Good morning. Um, my dad went to BU, so I feel like I had to do this. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> connection. The, alum- the alumni connection right there. See? Mm-hmm. The networking always pays off. Um, so I we're gonna we're gonna ask Cam some questions to get his unique perspective on everything Celtics today. Uh so without further ado, Matt, you want to kick, kick us off with the first question? Yeah, awesome. Cam, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh really appreciate it. So First, first question we got for you is about uh, the Mike Muscala trade. So you guys predicted this exact trade <laughs> on your podcast. So you kind of want to just just talk about that for a little bit. Like, w- was it you or was it your 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 other host? Who, who... Uh, so I think Justin, Dr. Justin Quinn is uh, one of my hosts or co-hosts, okay. also my yeah, editor yeah, yeah. at Celtics Wire. I think he's the one who put it put it uh, to a T with Muscala for. Justin Jackson and two picks, but he and I both have been saying Muscala since the summer. And uh, as much as it's fun to take a victory lap, I mean, part of it was just like the math that it's fun to shop around on, on and around the trade deadline. But like, if you just like looked at the math, the outgoing salaries of Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard just like didn't really amount to that much. It also, I mean, would ask the team to spend deeper into the luxury tax, which I'm not, sure they have the biggest appetite for so Muscala I've liked for a while um he it's like the prototypical big man in the modern era so it's a little bit process of elimination there were only so many realistic trade targets out there at the end of the day but um yeah I'll, I'll take a little bit of a a, uh, a bow it was it was fun to see it go live yeah that's Definitely. crazy you you so you predicted the exact trade, like the two two I first Just, as well. I think Justin got that. I mean, Justin. it was clear. It was clear Jackson was going to go because yeah, they didn't have value for him. And again, getting rid of him uh, just because they're yeah you know, because they're <laughs> over the tax. It's just like it's four times as expensive or whatever it is to keep a player that you're not going to use. So unless okay. they flipped Pritchard, they had no need to keep Jackson. Uh, 
it seems like a consummate pro. I mean, not a dig at Jackson. Um, yeah. And then again, Muscala, it just made a lot of sense. Uh, thinking back now, I didn't really overemphasize this point, but it's clear Boston also has connections with the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, front office. They've done a number of trades and some favorable trades at that. So um, that's, that's, a probably a, that's probably a wrinkle to have considered. I mean, same with San Antonio. Um, right. Yeah. So keep making deals. <laughs> I I have the receipts. You can go find the tweets in the podcast episodes, but I think Justin gets to check the, them out, guys. Yeah, I think Justin uh, got it exactly right, which is funny because we had a giveaway going where if you got the trade exactly right, you'd got, I think, $25 or something. And oh, Justin, 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 Justin gets, gets his keep, money, right? Gets to keep the cash, yeah. That's awesome. That's crazy. So do you see – um, where do you kind of see Muscala fitting in in terms of, like, the playoff rotation? Is he going to play? And then, like, where does he slot in with Blake and Cornette as kind of our backup bigs? Is he – does he kind of surpass those guys or or where do you, where do you see that? Yeah, that's tricky. I mean, uh, he's, I mean, he's 31, so it's, he's not, he's not, not a vet. Um, yeah. And yeah. Blake is, is so good in his role. Like I think Blake would understand that Muscala should, probably should be playing more minutes than him. Bring something different too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to that end, you can tell Cornette, like, unless you're starting to step out and hit four threes a game, it's just a different look. So it's not, I'm sure Luke and Blake are privately bummed or subconsciously bummed, but it's it's very obvious that Muscala should be the first big off the bench. Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, I, I can't imagine a world where Boston returns to the finals and Robert Williams and or Al Horford don't miss meaningful minutes. And Muscala is a starter quality big man. Blake at this moment is not, and Luke... I mean, Luke Cornet is one of my favorite Celtics players in a long time, but like he's just not a postseason starter quality. Not good enough. Yeah. Um, he's like a he's just neutral. Not, he's just not rangy enough. I mean, he's got, I, I say this a lot. He's the fifth tallest NBA player. He's the tallest American NBA player. He's too big. He can't move yeah. that fast. Um, Muscala is tall. I mean, Muscala is only like an inch or an inch and a half shorter than him, but he, he gets that much more lateral quickness from giving up that much height. Lucas. Crazy What's tall. what is he? Is he seven? Um, like he's seven two. One, two so they God. said they said recently. I, I think in the last five years they remeasured all the NBA players, and there was no funny business. Uh, I don't believe it. I still think that some players are not the height that up. they're listed at. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm a gentleman's five nine. So anything looks tall to me. Um, my guess is he's probably actually seven two. I mean, who mm. wouldn't be able to fact check him up there? It's just problems, right. That's you know? true. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, so yeah, kind of building off that. Other than that Muscala deal, Celtics really did not do anything from the reports that came out. As they even said after the morning, they kind of settled down. They didn't even seem like they were shopping around too much, um, which I guess is somewhat of an indication that they're going to look to fill in that last spot on the buyout market. Um, there was one report about Danny Green that the Celtics are interested in, which I think would be a really interesting fit. Um, but other than him, uh, do you, have you heard of anything or who do you think, you know, would be probably the most likely bio target for the Celtics to fill that last spot with? Yeah, it, it seems like with Muscala in place and Pritchard not going anywhere, it makes sense that it's a wing. Um, right. I think probably like a slashing wing, a wing who can defend, but, you know, maybe it could be a more of a shooting guard kind of um post up or not post up but like spot up shooter on the mm. wing um i thought terrence ross 
would, would have been a worthy person to take a look at, but obviously it looks like he's going to Phoenix. Yeah, very um, quickly. Danny Green is going to be popular. It's it's interesting. The buyout market historically is not matter. Um, it's fun because it's usually better names. There's a lot of yeah. pizzazz there, but like yeah, big names, um, right? <laughs> yeah, they're bigger names. I mean, John Wall, Russell Westbrook. I mean, like these are ten years ago. These were the names. Um, right. It's interesting. I think this time around, actually, a few buyout guys will make a meaningful impact for the Celtics. Uh, Danny Green is a, a big. Uh, a big name. Will Barton is not a big name in the same way, but I think Will Barton will get a look, if not be the guy. Okay. Um, the addition of Tony Snell to the main Celtics, the G League team, mm-hmm. when it happened, indicates to me that there's a very good chance that that open roster spot is is going to go to him. Um, and then all season long, I've been saying I'd love to see them get Carmelo Anthony. It's not really a, a stance that I could defend, um, quite literally, yeah. because Melo can't defend, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think like, he'd be joke- great veteran. That'd be cool. That's for like yeah. the Jays. I mean, honestly, joking aside, I think that's so true. I mean, Blake, Blake's knees. I mean, uh, <laughs> he loves the game. He's he's great. He gave a great interview the other day, but he just doesn't have it in the same way. Right. Yeah. What he brings to the locker room is unbelievable, and I don't know that they need another force like that. But I think Mello. No one has bad things to say about Mello. Yeah. He's not like except for about how he plays basketball. (laughs) Right. Exactly. He's like not he's not one of those guys where where he has a history of having like locker room issues or being a bad teammate. So I think I think in that sense, kind of similar to what I feel like Danny Green would bring is like more of like his presence rather than actual playing time um, would 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 be definitely a good fit. I think has Mello like voiced desire to come back at all i like haven't heard anything on the mellow front yeah. at all like it's kind of like kind of gone totally silent do you any idea if he'd uh, be i think once or twice he's he's he said okay he's like tweeted like get me out there or something oh okay um some of the folks he's historically worked with in the media have kind of done puff pieces that like uh yeah he's mm. staying ready so that's uh, good to know i don't know that's the beginning of the end for like a whole era yeah. of players and some of them will go quite gracefully um, and some of them will not. And, we, uh, uh, you, you, Gavin, and I talked about this on the last pod, but um, R- Russell Westbrook came up for a while, so I wanted to hear what's your what's your prediction. You got you're clearly good at predictions, so yeah. where's, where's he end up? <laughs> um, man, I don't know. It's such a bummer. It, 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 the writing was on the wall. I mean, even before he left Oklahoma City, you knew that it wasn't he wasn't going to land the plane. It was just like his he's too frenetic of a player. I mean, he's a world-class human being um but just again like what he does in a basketball court is uh it doesn't work anymore so i i don't understand the clippers having interest like uh, i think a team that wants to shadow tank but wants to sell tickets should sign him big Mm. name he's worth the price of admission but he's not gonna win you basketball games entertaining kind of yeah yeah and then maybe in the summer there's a team that like truly has a six-man role where it's not like, and he's going to close games with us. It's really like, you're going to come in, you're going to have your, you know, 20 minutes of fame, and then you got to sit down. And right. maybe by the summer, he's ready to accept that. In a he's too way, stubborn. But... Exactly. He, he. Uh, I think the Lakers kind of did him dirty. I think that the Lakers weren't forthright with him always. It's also, he has to be, I mean, man, the comment that he is a vampire 
Oh, whether, or not, uh, whether or not that should have been shared is one thing, but inaccurate, you yeah. think as well. Uh, just why do you say that? Like the way he plays basketball, maybe, but like right. that's such weird character assassination. Um, yeah. That again, maybe it shouldn't have been reported, and sometimes reporters make mistakes. Yeah. But um, sure too. It, it was said. It's not like it's a inaccurate reporting. It's just like maybe he didn't need to say it. Right. Yeah. Also, LeBron like coming out publicly saying like, "Oh man, I wish I wish we got Kyrie." Like while Westbrook's bad. on the yeah. team, the only way they get Kyrie is by trading Westbrook. Like how? Does that make him feel that? Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> but yeah, Definitely. all right. Let's move on. Move on from Russ. <laughs> yeah. So something. So obviously, the Celtics have had an incredible season. Um, even being over, being able to overcome, you know, big loss to the finals last year, the drama this off season uh, with the coaching. So, given all that, we've we've come out really hot. We've been playing exceptionally well. Our defense has also been improving the past few months as opposed to the beginning of the season. Um, with that, though, what do you still think? I still feel like Joe Mazzulla is <clears throat> learning the role slowly but surely. Um, so, so far, what would you say is kind of your biggest criticism for Joe? Um, for me personally, I think it would be Tatum's minutes. But mm-hmm. recently, <clears throat> with especially with the Hornets game, and hearing Brad's comments, it seems like it's mostly in Tatum's hands, the playing thing, and him refusing to sit. So maybe that isn't as fair of a thing to put on Joe. Um, so other than that, kind of what have you seen that kind of stands out to you the most? I love Joe. Yeah, I mean, Joe's been exceptional given the circumstances. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's 34. He's the second youngest coach. He's like the third youngest coach ever. I mean, it, what's happening is wow. very fascinating. Um, I think the, the nitty gritty answer to your question is, I think, and maybe this will change once smart comes back, but he lets them roll the ball out a little too much, Mm. um, for a team whose offense really lacked structure when the game was on the line in the finals, there are a lot of stretches where it doesn't seem like he's insistent that Marcus Smart gets the ball or that, you know, Tatum starts the possession at the nail or something like that. It just does seem like he lets them feel it out which feels fine in january and february and really the the only unit that really needs to practice self-discipline is smart tatum brown orford uh, robert williams and that that unit hasn't really been out there as much i mean when you see them you do see them a little more intentional on offense smart Mm -hmm. uh quarterbacks the offense a little more um i think i think i'd like to see more of that as much as the team is just going to like beat you into submission on offense sometimes or the shooting on sometimes yeah. the, the defense isn't as reliable enough to assume that the offense is just going to get it done. So I, I think Joe has said, and I think he would say if he was here, it's January and I'm, I'm letting the kids uh, figure it out. Um, but I think it's probably like a teeny bit too hands off. Um, and then in the macro perspective, uh, it's kind of a similar theme. I think Joe is really fascinating and similar to Brad Stevens in that he really is coaching from the rear. Um, okay. That he, I, like that. I think he wants to let the guys figure it out and trust them. Yeah. Good, yeah. Trust them incredibly, which is fascinating. But there are some times that I think the team is still young enough that a, hey, we're doing this <laughs> version of a coach would matter. Yeah. They um 
a couple of weeks ago, this might have happened twice. So late in the game, uh, we have timeouts, obviously, like down, might have been tied or, or down like one or two. And and Joe has has not called the timeout and has let let Tatum let Tatum go. I don't know if you remember Tatum. What did he do? He turned it over, right? Late. Yeah. It was against yeah. the, the heat. heat, maybe. Yeah. So like, is that like do you do you like that Joe is kind of trusting his guys? there or is that kind of a, a spot where it's like all right maybe call a timeout slow it down figure out a play or um i i think i like the principle i again i don't think i like it in practice yeah um, i think the idea of let him sort of sort it out i don't want to micromanage them and i think at the finals they got the yips and so giving them opportunities to meet big moments on their terms is nice but I do wonder that, like, if it's, you know, game six on the road yeah, in Milwaukee and the game is on the line, I assume Joe is going to, I guess I don't know. Maybe this is just, like, who he is and he doesn't want to take the timeout. But if yeah. they are going to take the timeout, have to, if they practiced uh, ATOs enough. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I If he was taking timeouts and they're still blowing it, maybe we would say, you know, he's he's micromanaging. It's always something. Right. It's hard. To, it's hard to be too worried about the best team in the NBA, but yeah. it's definitely a different style. I think it's just like a return to the Brad Stevens era, except for the timeouts. Um, Udoka was on them. Stevens was not, but Stevens uh, was quite good at drawing up ATOs and very good. Yeah, I bet Joe is too, but we don't see it as often. So, yeah, if someone took great umbrage with it i'd say i see your point if someone said actually he's doing this and this is why i'd roll with it it again but if they were a bad team i would have a stronger take but i you can't I complain they're good enough that like that's not going to come up as often as other teams yeah. maybe right definitely you kind of touched on this a little bit with your issue with them rolling the ball out uh and kind of how they lack structure on offense and so that kind of leads me to another question I was wondering from you was we've seen the Celtics come out very hot at the beginning of the games. They can shoot the lights out for the first like quarter, even maybe five or six minutes. Um, but after that, I feel like our energy can tend to go into sort of a lull, especially against some middle of the road teams where the you're Knicks kind of ex- the Knicks, the Suns, like these teams where we should be winning and like we're clearly better than them, but our energy, our soft selection will start selling for, for threes. Like I feel like we have these lapses in judgment and energy that kind of force us that cause us to lose games. And I feel like for the best team in the league, supposedly it's not a really good characteristic to have and come playoff time or in big games. Like what if that happens? So does that concern you at all? And does it worry you at all in regards to kind of like their championship aspirations right now? Yeah, uh, it does worry me. Uh, I'll start with how Missoula framed it the other day and that like fake controversy. Um, if for folks, I guess you oh, I know, saw that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gary Washburn of the Globe, and I'm name checking him because he did the right thing, not because I mm-hmm. want to throw him into the bus. He asked Joe, like, is the plan to not give up <laughs> double digit leads someday? Um, and I think part of it is the rotation um, t- when. Even when Brown is healthy, Brown will sit and Tatum will be out there and it'll be like Tatum, Cornette, Grant, uh, and Malcolm and, you know, choose choose someone else. And I think in those moments, I'd like to see Tatum like really 
take over, like do the MVP thing. I think that that's kind of the point of those stretches. And whether he doesn't have that killer instinct yet or he's tired because he does so much elsewhere, I think those uh, stretches without Jalen Brown uh, can be lazy. And then flip side of the coin, often like to um, to end the third quarter or sometimes to start the fourth quarter, Tatum will switch, sit and then it's just Brown. And it can be quite good, but sometimes Brown over dribbles and it gets gets uh, himself into trouble. So the <clears throat> Tatum only or Tatum Brown minutes haven't been as successful, mm. I think, as they're supposed to be. Um, I think, and and I I think that's actually my criticism. That's not what Joe was saying. What Joe was saying was the league is really good, which it is. I mean, it's true. It's not like the other team isn't playing ball out here. Um, so that the other team even their bench players might uh, step in and, and get hot isn't really up to the Celtics is Joe's point, which I, I think I understand. I mean, the team, the league is really, really good. If you look at the West, almost every team in the West is a playoff caliber team. Every in the East, many teams are as good as the next, you know? So the reason it gives me concern is because that is a continuation of a problem from last seasons that the Celtics just kind of like played with their food and then didn't know what was happening. Um, I, I fear that I sound pejorative when I say this, um, especially talking to college kids, but I'll frame it as someone who just turned 30. Tatum and Brown are still young. Uh, in terms of psychology, your brain doesn't mature fully until you're 27 or 28. I mean, that's why NBA players, athletes really hit their prime when they're that old, mm. because the way they see the game, the way they see the world fundamentally changes. They call it second puberty. Not to bum you two out. Um, <laughs> so I, I do think that there's an element that, and again, I just turned 30. So like, I'm, this is it. This is the best it's going to be. Um, I think there's an element where Brown and Tatum still are young because they are. And that's not to say that they are, you know, tornadoes. It's not to say that they can't handle the moment, but they're not Kawhi. They're not Kevin Durant. Like they, they just don't have as much experience, but they also just are still developing psychologically. Um, which again, I I know probably sounds offensive to a lot of people. I don't mean it to sound like I'm wagging my finger. That's just like a a read of, you know, where those people are at in the world. And I think the, what the problem for the Celtics is, is if I'm correct about that hypothesis and I, I might be wrong. I think Horford and smart either have lost a little bit of a step or aren't quite the stabilizing forces they need to be. And so there's a little bit of a gray area where maybe Brown and Tatum play young, and maybe the supporting cast isn't quite as supporting when it needs to be. Mm. And I think in those moments you see whatever whatever it was, game five of the finals where the, the Warriors scored like 25 to one and the first yeah. quarter or whatever it is, like those big ass brain farts. I yeah. think my theory is that that's a consequence of what I've, I'm identifying. Again, I might be wrong. Yeah. But... No, that's definitely a unique perspective. Matt, do you want to, do you want to say something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So just jumping in, I, I, a hundred percent agree. Like I test wise in the sort of Jason Tatum and bench lineups that they tend to look super lazy at times. And like if Tatum's not, not hitting, it kind of all all falls downhill or whatever. But Tatum does have the uh, third best plus minus in the in the league. So like, oh hell yeah. Do we think? Like, do we think those lineups aren't actually as bad, as lazy as as they as they seem, or or where do you think that plus minus comes in? 
Uh, I mean, it certainly comes to the starting lineup. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The first six minutes of the first quarter. Um, yeah, definitely true. But like how he's he's significantly higher than like Jalen Brown. So like those Tatum minutes without Brown still have to be. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Positive. I mean, I guess but, probably they're. I, I guess they've missed enough. Brown has missed enough time. That that's also true. Muddy that's a good stats. point. That's um, a good point. Man, yeah, that uh, I. I, 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 again, I think the Tatum minutes are probably underwhelming, but not a disaster necessarily. It's interesting. The people who are stats wizards in NBA circles, I wouldn't even really know how to look this up, to be quite frank with you. Like, the, <laughs> I get the plus minus, but like how to, yeah, 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 to compare them. Wow, that's interesting. Let me, uh, man, no, that I'm, is I'm true. so excited Galen to watch the next game where they both play. Yeah. Right. Yeah, whenever I have to wait be. a little bit for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Kind of going into a next question I had um, was, so, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to shift a little bit towards looking towards the playoffs. Sure. Um, so we've we've seen at the deadline kind of both us, the Bucks, the Sixers, we all kind of added a, a key guy into our rotation. Um, and this is kind of what the rosters are going to look like come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's hard to predict injuries, but. But given that, what team would you say are you most afraid of seeing in the playoffs? So, like, I was thinking maybe, like, give one for the East because that's who we're most likely going to see. And then who do you not want to see in the finals? I'll pull up the standings, but I think my answers are the Bucks and the Warriors. Um, I'm going to pull up oh, the standings Warriors. to see if oh, I change my stay. mind. Um, the Bucks is the obvious answer because uh, Giannis is just – Giannis. probably the best player in the world i mean mm-hmm. if, if we had a, a fun fantasy draft i'd probably take him number one um a healthy middleton drew holiday brooke lopez and crowder like that's just if crowder is even most of the player he used to be yeah that's a really hard team to score against and then they've got a lot of looks on offense um so it's got to be the bucks and it's not even close with respect to the rest of the east um, a wild card, I would say, is probably Cleveland because they have so much length mm. that, um, you know, Boston's at its best passing the ball because, you know, they're a pass away from a really good three-point shooter. And Cleveland is just so lengthy that I suspect they'll just, like, hunt Mitchell on defense. Yeah. Um, which And they've had our number twice this year already. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Cleveland's a really good team. I, I'm a little surprised they didn't do anything at the trade deadline, but I guess the Mitchell move was their big move. Right. Um, so it's got to be the Bucks, and then I just I think that the matchup that the Sixers pose is way too favorable for Boston. I don't, I'm not throwing shade at Philly. Uh, don't worry, I uh, did on the last episode. No, I hate, I mean, I hate Philadelphia, but yeah, uh, uh, so I would say Cleveland, and it's not gonna be a cakewalk on the first round. I mean, if the, the Raptors figure out their chemistry, the Knicks are gonna play tough. I mean, there's a chance the first round is sneaky a little tough for boston yeah. in the west man i don't know Jokic is just like so damn good uh yeah it's gotta be i i just want to give denver their flowers i mean they're the second best team in the league and really balanced uh maybe not the most imposing def- defense but the offense is scary that'd be a really fun series phoenix obviously is a different beast and then yeah golden state Probably Golden State. Probably people are over-indexing their chances of getting back to the finals. They they are where they're at in the standings for a reason. But 
if they put it all together, you got to show some love to the defending champions. And not only if, do they match up particularly well against the Celtics, but I think the Celtics would, I think the Celtics would pee their pants if they had to play the Warriors again. In the yeah. I think psychologically that would destroy them. Definitely. Um, uh, two parts. So one, are you not a, a little worried that with Steph going to be out for so long, they might fall a little too far out of the playoff picture? And two, are you do you still think they pose more of a threat than Phoenix, who I feel like could like just simply overpower us with all the yeah. talent? Um, it's yeah, it's, it's totally possible Golden State because Steph's out for a little bit longer. Although they've been like okay, they've been. They've been like and 500, I think, without him. They've yeah. been okay. They're staying alive. Yeah, and I think they're getting a little better on the road. I mean, their road record's still 7-21. Yeah, that's it's crazy. crazy. Um, yeah, to your point, they're a game from quite out of the play-in. They're also a game and a half from – or two games from oh, hosting right. a, a playoff round or whatever it is. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it, it – it's fluky enough that they could miss it entirely, but if they're in, yeah. I mean, I'd take them over Sacramento or I'd take them over. Whoa, well, I'd really like to see them play Memphis. Wow. Yeah, that'd be cool. And the playoffs would be great. Um, yeah. Yeah, Phoenix, uh, I don't mean to yada yada, probably the most talented team in the league. Um, we'll see what happens. There's a, That's a lot of personality. Mm hmm. The things that would go south for them are they don't figure out how to keep Aiden happy because there's a lot of tension there. Um, Chris Paul's health is not guaranteed. Yeah, he gets and then, De- and then Devin Booker and come Durant. We, I mean, we don't know what Durant is going to look like when he gets back. So it's true. That's the like, if it was 2K, forget about it. That's so scary. Um, in the real world with muscle uh, injuries and whatnot, that remains to be seen. So, right. I think my answer, like ultimately, was like a little political that I wanted to, you know, bend the knee a little to the Warriors and to the yeah. the Nuggets, but I also they're they're more healthy than Phoenix right now. That's true. Yeah. So yesterday, I was I was talking to my dad actually about the playoffs, and I I asked him if he thought it was more likely we lose to Milwaukee in the playoffs or in the East in the East yeah. playoffs if we lose to Milwaukee or if we lose to the field. Like if if we were to lose, um, so I kind of wanted to get your your answer on that. Bucks or Bucks or the field? Well, if it was the field, presumably it would have to be in the conference semifinals. Um, I think yeah, because first I round we're not losing. <laughs> well, I just think Boston and Milwaukee will probably be the on both opposite sides of the East bracket because they're going to be the one two seeds. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, so that would mean Boston would play. Toronto, Chicago, Washington, Atlanta, New York, or Miami in the first round. And then Cleveland, probably. Yeah, I mean, barring injury, like, let's assume full health. It would be an utter disaster for the Celtics team to lose in the first round. Save Miami, who, you know, has recently been in the conference finals. It it just, like, it doesn't seem possible to me that a healthy Celtics team would lose to them. Yeah. Um, And then in that second round, you'd get anyone from Philly, Cleveland, Brooklyn, or I guess Miami again. No, I'll take the Bucks. Uh, it's the smart yeah. answer, but I don't know. I think Boston, uh, to, according to most, is by far a contender. I think so too. They just got to the East, so like definitionally, they're contenders. Mm-hmm. There's something wishy-washy enough about them that I think there's pause 
but maybe that's just like yeah no hometown sure. hometown malaise yeah you get I'm what you car- say i <clears throat> aside from so i'm probably gonna lean bucks as well but matt you know this i'm like absolutely terrified of the heat like mm-hmm. psychologically what they've done to me <laughs> in the past is borderline unhealthy so i don't know if jimmy would... hit that shot you would be yeah exactly <laughs> if jimmy hit that shot who knows what would happen but so uh, probably they're like the number one team in the field that i'm the most scared of just because i feel like jimmy butler transforms into like like a top five all-time nba player in the playoffs he's just absolutely insane so definitely do not want to see them if i saw them in the second round i'd be like very very worried but so that's why i lean bucks but i feel like i'm pretty I could also go field because I, I just like I just like how we play against the Bucks and we, we have a lot of playoff experience. So I would be very confident, especially if, if we have home court. I feel like that would go a very, very long way against the Bucks in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, Cam, we have one more question for you. It's like a fun one sure. to close it out. Um, <clears throat> so what do you think to you would is the biggest what if um, in Celtics history that you wish you could have? seen play out differently oh i know my answer immediately um you're gonna say hayward oh no um oh, okay, good. i was gonna say it's because i'm a fan of a certain age um i thought that trading kendrick perkins for jeff green was a disaster Ooh. um it i understand here are the reasons i think that this trade went down um so for people who don't know i this is the 2010 nba trade deadline they shipped out kendrick perkins uh, brought in Jeff Green, and the thinking was they needed someone to guard uh, LeBron, which they LeBron. did, um, and that the expectation was Shaq could give you what Kendrick Perkins gave you. Um, Shaq obviously got injured later, so that didn't happen. Um, but part of it, they had um, who made it? I guess maybe the league made it. They had a program called the Association for a year or two, and it was this really great behind the scenes look of. Uh, I think they did the Celtics, and then oh, I think I remember this. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how many seasons it ran. They should have done it more. The, the Celtics now on YouTube are actually doing a pretty good behind the scenes behind the uh, banners series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, just like the episode where Perk gets traded, he's in a hotel room and he's texting with Rondo. He's on the phone with Rondo, who's his best friend on the team, and it's just like devastating. And for a team predicated on Ubuntu on chemistry uh, and predicated on a really heady point guard you know that emotional broadside i think was a big big deal so i'd love to run that one back i think danny Inch got that one wrong um yeah but that's also i was again like perfectly in the sauce for i think i was a senior in high school so i was like aware enough but also emotional enough that like that one also like me it was like rondo and perk that was bad for them and then right behind them it was bad for me Mm. you know so that's probably my biggest Celtics would have was this I, LeBron's first first year in Miami? No, because wouldn't that have been 2011? I may have the year. Or was it was it right before? Well, I, didn't we make? The, I think we made the finals in. Oh, it's 2011. It wasn't. Yeah, 10, so it was 2011. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so what, was, okay, so it was LeBron's yeah. first year. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Okay, 2011. That, that's crazy. You you totally like unlocked a memory for me with the associate <laughs> the association TV show because I 100 percent remember watching that as well. It was um, so good. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. Um, so that that was a great answer for Matt, Matt, Matt and I were talking, and I feel like similar to you, like the the Celtics, like of our age, sort of that we remember, school, started yeah, remembering yeah. the high school Late years. High school. 
was like when we first got Kyrie and then all the hype and then we had Gordon also it's just like that team could have been so cool with rookie Jason Tatum and second year Jalen Brown there was just like Marcus Morris off the bench like that team was insanely stacked like a younger Al Horford it was incredible like going into that season I remember we were just so excited and then within what was it like five minutes just like it disappeared yeah. like all hope dissipated and it just like was hard it came back though it came back a little bit right but, yeah they went to, and... yeah they went to the conference finals yeah today. which which was incredible still terry, but terry that Rozier, makes baby. You think even more like T-Row. like holy shit like we made the conference finals given all of that and then so just just like frustrating and then another cool one that i thought about so i obviously wouldn't really know much about this completely different time but just like looking back larry bird only playing like 13 seasons and like getting hurt i yeah. feel like in the modern nba there's such a big emphasis on like health and wellness and taking care of your body so if i feel i was just like if he even had a sliver of that like worked into his career uh he's already like i would say a top 10 all-time nba player given just 13 seasons so imagine he played a few more i don't know like it's just interesting to think about like what that could have been so that's, yeah, for sure. those are probably my I mean, my two i think also the the whatever would happen with reggie lewis and len bias and mm-hmm. just like an entire generation yeah. of celtics promise just crazy it disappeared yeah I mean, it's pretty insane um so yeah cool uh so i think we can wrap, wrap it up there cam thank sure. you so much for coming on it was really great having you yeah great hearing your insight and stuff so thank you so much we really appreciate it yeah of course let's do this again sometime this was great De- definitely oh also go listen to his podcast check out follow <laughs> him on twitter read all this stuff really re- really really good stuff so yep thank you yeah awesome. thanks so uh you have one more thing i wanted to talk about with you before we wrap this up was peyton pritchard's recent comments before the deadline so according to uh to gary washburn an interview pritchard had with him pritchard said i was definitely expecting and hoping yeah for a trade at the deadline but you know i have to look at the good things we're the best team in the league right now and we have a great team so what are your what are your thoughts on that is pritchard all but gone this offseason how how's this going to play out yeah so i feel bad like what <laughs> so kind of going along with with other players i don't know if you heard blake's press conference they asked him about it um and he was saying like despite like this was leading up to the deadline and it was after Pritchard already made comments about wanting to leave, getting a better situation where he can play more. Blake was still like, we, like, we want him here. We want him to see, like, we love him, like all of this stuff. So it, it makes me actually, I really like it because it seems that the, the rest of the team is super understanding of Pritchard and like his situation. And they recognize that how talented he is and that he ultimately deserves uh, more playing time and I feel like normally if you have a guy on your team that's like very being very transparent about wanting to leave and be traded it would probably rub some players the wrong way it's not as really good thing for like the locker room but what I think is pretty remarkable about the the guys we have on this team is it doesn't seem like it upsets them at all and it, it seems like they're actually pretty understanding about Pritchard's whole situation and that he wants to leave so I think in a way yeah. that that kind of leads me to feel like I'm not mad at all for Pritchard at Pritchard for saying that. I think he has I'd like totally understand him. He has every right to feel that way. He's clearly very talented and we talked about it last episode but like he's just on a very talented team and 
for a guy very early on in his career, that's not an ideal fit because he's just yeah. There's a there's a waterlog of of more talented players ahead of him, um, and so I I just hope I know he's probably gonna get traded this summer. I don't want him to, but it's that's just how it works. And I and I think he's gonna be great wherever he goes, and he deserves. Do you should he not have said this publicly though? Like I get I get why he feels that way. I would feel that way too. He's good enough to play more than like minimal so, minutes per game. Um, but is it dumb to say in the midst of a, of like a, a stretch run kind of finishing up the regular season? Yeah. I mean, if someone like, I respect that opinion and I understand it, um, but it kind of leading back into what I was saying about the locker room. It's like, it doesn't seem like this is a secret. It seems like the, his teammates yeah, know fair. that and they understand how he feels and they don't hold it against him. So he's really only saying that to like reporters who ultimately have no impact on how the Celtics play. Um, so just because of, I feel like how transparent he's been about it for a while now, it's not too big of a deal because I feel like everyone knew that's, that's probably how he feels about it. So, yeah. Okay. Final thing uh, on Pritchard. So recently in, in our, our group chat with, with me and my dad, um, we were talking about just like potential deadline trades. This is before the deadline. Um mm. And just like just trading Pritchard, what we'd want for him. And my dad said he he would go sort of all in on trading Pritchard because he doesn't think Pritchard can play in the playoffs. Um, Pritchard brings great energy and he's a spark at times, but he totally gets hunted on defense. He tries hard. He's not a horrible defender, but we really have no other weak links defensively, I would say, on our entire roster. So like obviously he's going to get... Yeah, yeah, Hauser, Hauser as well, but I don't think yeah. he's super playable in the playoffs either yeah, for, the, right. for similar reasons. But do you think is Pritchard going to have a role in the playoffs this year if we are entirely healthy? If we're entirely healthy, very hard to see him playing. I mean, we brought Brogdon in for a reason, and with Smart Brogdon and White, like there's absolutely no need for him to get any minutes. I just as unfortunate as it is. And we also saw last last year, like he didn't I'd not. This isn't a shot at him. It, this is also like the rest of the bench, but he just didn't play as well as he did in the regular season. And I feel like that's just a common thing for players like at the point of his career and like at his age and I guess also his size and talent. It's just yeah. how it goes. And we're an incredibly deep team. So there's probably should be no reason for him to be playing if we're fully healthy, if we're fully healthy, yeah. which is. Hard to believe right now, but we'll see. So you have against the Warriors, just looking at some playoff numbers. Last year, Pritchard played 11 minutes a game that series. He averaged 2.7 points and shot 21% from three. So yeah. I think you've said this a bunch before, but if he's not hitting, he's 100% yeah. not playable in the playoffs. Brings nothing. Same with Hauser. It's like the same thing as Hauser. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate, but it's just what it is. Um. So yeah, let's move on to our closing segments. So state of the Celtics, where are we at right now? On the rise, stagnant, on the decline. You want me to start? All right. You're uh, first. I started last week, baby. I you can't go anything other than on the rise right now. I feel like we've had we had a sick week, three wins, um, big one against against the Sixers when we were so shorthanded. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. Um, definitely on the rise. Derek White's coming in, coming in and coming in hot right now. Hauser's back with his three. There's just like so many positive things going on. And this is all despite 
losing Jalen to an injury and having Smart out for a while, I feel like that looks really good. And hopefully we can finish it out strong with a few more games for the all-star break. How about you? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I predicted this week to happen, so I, I don't know yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. if uh, on the rise is the best. I, yeah, I'll go on the rise. I mean, three, and know, you can't yeah, like exactly. you're, you're, you're in a good spot. You're playing. We had well, the three so. game skid. And then we've been five of six since that. So, very what was the lo- was the loss? The Suns, yeah, the Suns game. The Suns. Yeah. yeah, that was a tough one. Okay, yeah, great response. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're going on the rise. Not much else to really to really say there. Perfect. Um, and now looking ahead, we have we have the Grizzlies today at two p.m. and then we have the Bucks on Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and then the Pistons on wednesday night so we have verse grizzlies at bucks versus pistons this coming week before the all-star break win and losing come on what do you think you think you're so good at predicting things let's see i i am this is a tougher week this this is i think Ooh, this actually gets a little hard because yeah. I know Brad Brad came out and said Tatum's going to sit against Detroit. So that was like the one shoe in game. But if Brown's not back, that game could get a in smart's not back. That I don't game think Brown's a little dicey. Yeah, they're in smart. You think they hold out too? Yeah, there's no reason. All right. I'm going a win today against Memphis. I think Memphis is good, but clearly they've they've kind of faded a bit from from. Yeah from the nuggets in the West, they've lost a bunch, not a bunch. They've lost some games recently. There's an annoying team. I feel like everyone hates them. Um, I am going a win against Memphis. I am going a, this might make you a little sad. I'm going a loss against Milwaukee on the road. Um, just undermanned. No, no Brown and smart is going to be tough. Milwaukee is, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, fully healthy. Middleton's back back and and going he's he's starting to get going a little bit too Mm -hmm. so i'm going lost there and then i'm going win against detroit we can beat we can beat him with anyone um hopefully it yeah it seems like our big big three is not gonna play i wouldn't be surprised if like horford or rob were out as well just with rest or small injuries or whatever so we might be we might be down our top four or five players but i'm going win don't feel great about it so yeah two in one week uh okay i'm gonna go i think i agree with you that the grizzlies are a little overhyped right now so i'm gonna go win today i think although i'm a little bit worried about afternoon game yeah Um, weird weird stuff very weird time 2 p.m also but for the grizzlies it's 11 a.m so i feel like it could be even weirder for them so i'm gonna go win today i'm gonna I don't I don't want to pick the same as you. Oh, that's and, dumb though. That's and I'm dumb. Com- yeah, but I'm confident too. Like I'm confident in my team, you know. So I'm gonna go win against the Bucks because I just know Tatum's gonna show up and I know Derek White's gonna show up. And if we can <laughs> and if we can get a Brogdon, big Brogdon game, I think we got I think all right, I'm I'm saying this given that I'm assuming Horford and Rob are going to play because I think Horford will be big guarding Giannis. Um, but I I just think we match up well with them. So I, I'm going to go win. I'm going to go win against the Bucks, And then I'm going to go loss against the Pistons. 
Because if we don't have Tatum, Brown, Smart, Rob, or Horford, we're still good, but I just think the Pistons is like, oh, an opportunity to win before the All-Star break. So hey, you're making you're making the oh, same mistake you I'm made last week. All right, we'll thinking, see. Thinking all these guys are going to sit, which actually You did happen. too. You did no, too. No, no, no. But, but I predicted a win. I believe. See, you just said on against the Bucks, you believe in our guys, so you don't believe in our guy. Or I guess because Tatum's sitting. Is that why? Yeah, because Tatum would sit and Horford and Rob would sit against the Pistons. And I'm okay, assuming if, that they're going to be playing against the Bucks. So I believe yeah, in them they, to show up to the big spot yeah. game. This is a huge game also for the one seed. So I feel like it's like a must win. It is. You can't change. Well, I don't know about must win. It's a big win. No, I'm not. I do not want to change my prediction. I All feel right. really good about my okay. Just my win loss win. I I just. Yeah, I'm no way I'm changing. I know yeah. you want you probably want to change right now, but I do not. No. I'm going win win loss right now. All right, so all right, man, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see you next week. All right, yes, we will. All right, thank you guys. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed Cam. Uh, it was great having him on. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for next week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Peace, Thanks, guys.